have your Bibles turned to Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, while you're turning there, it, I, I just want to acknowledge that we've had a tough year, right? And, and I acknowledge that. I know that you have experienced uh, 2020 in ways that uh, you never thought that you would have to experience it. it it's been tough. It's been challenging. Uh, it's been difficult. It's been hard. And I look around the room, and I see your faces behind the mask, and, I, and I've talked with many of you, and look, I know that you're, you're facing fatigue. Uh, there's a fatigue that is in my life, in our family, in our family of faith, in your life, in your family, in your family of faith. There's fatigue emotionally. There's fatigue spiritually. There's, there's fatigue even physically. It's been a tough year, but what we see today, what we learn from God's Word today is that as hard as this year has been, we are still living in the year of God's favor. I know that many of us are like uh, and most of us at some level feel like the, the, the who's and whoville on Christmas morning. You know the who's and whoville, and uh, this is from The Grinch Stole Christmas, and you know the story how the Grinch uh, made his way Christmas Eve after all the who's and whoville had gone to sleep, and and he dressed up like Santa Claus, but he was the anti-Santa Claus. And in this mythical town of Whoville, uh, the mythical Grinch goes running through uh, to steal all the presents and all the PlayStation 5s that parents had spent thousands of dollars on uh, for their children taken. Uh, all the different games and toys and uh, all the different clothes and shoes, uh, all the different uh, uh, face uh, uh, rejuvenators and hair rejuvenators gone. Everything was taken by the Grinch. Uh, and the Who's and Whoville woke up Christmas morning, and you can imagine their dismay, their despair, their uh, disappointment as they walk uh, from their bedrooms to where the Christmas tree used to be because the Grinch even took the Christmas trees. And they walk into the room, and they see that Christmas is missing. And for many of us, 2020 has been like that. It, it, it's, it, it feels like something has been stolen from us. It feels uh, like uh, who's in Whoville, now, living in disappointment, struggling with the despair, having questions that have gone unanswered. Certainly, the Grinch stole Christmas, and certainly COVID has threatened 2020. But the greatest crime that, has ever, that we have ever faced, the greatest despair that we could ever know is, is really behind COVID. It, it's something that the Grinch may be a metaphor of, and, and, uh, but the reality is so much worse. What the Grinch stole and what COVID has threatened, sin has really done in our lives. You see, sin is the greatest enemy that we have. 
Your sin, your sin, no matter how small you might uh, make it out to be, my sin, no matter how uh, minuscule I try to make it out to be, sin is the greatest enemy that we face. Sin is what destroys our hopes. Sin is what demolishes our joy. Sin is what separates us from God. Sin is what creates in us a dismay where we are living in the land of who without any Christmas under the tree. Now, 2020 might feel like a dumpster fire, but the greatest enemy, even greater than COVID or, or whatever, whatever you want to blame for 2020, sin is our greatest enemy. So really, I want to encourage you today as followers of Jesus, go ahead and peel back the layer. I know we can, we can yell and scream and curse the year, but, but let's peel back the layer and see what is underneath all the masks that we're wearing. Let's peel back the layer and let's see the greater enemy, the greatest enemy is sin. And when it comes to sin, we can't change, we can't alter, we can't fix what sin has done to us. If you've been with me for a little while, you may get tired of hearing me talk about this because it seems like I'm talking about this dilemma every single week, and, and I am. If I go a week and I don't talk about the dilemma, the despair, the disease of sin in our life, then I am not doing my job as your pastor. The greatest enemy is not in D.C. The greatest enemy is not uh, a disease. The greatest enemy that we face, the thing that steals everything from us, is sin. But there's good news. There's good news in the face of our sin. There's good news in the face of COVID. There's good news in the face of every Grinch that might steal from us. We have good news, and that good news is that God gives us his favor. I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 61. You see, Isaiah 61 uh, is the prophet Isaiah... In the 8th century B.C., being inspired by God's Spirit to see down the corridor of time and envision the coming of the servant whose name is Jesus. And God inspired Isaiah to pen words that Jesus took for his own. If you put in the margin of Isaiah 61, Luke chapter 4, you'll hear in Luke chapter 4, Jesus standing in front of the synagogue, opening a scroll to this passage, reading the words from this passage, and declaring to all here and all who can hear, the words of this promise are fulfilled in himself. Jesus is the fulfillment of what we're about to read in Isaiah 61. So what is this promise 
that the servant delivers. Listen to the words of the servant. Listen to the words of Jesus. Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Underline poor. Poor there is the needy, those who have need. It's not uh, merely a financial poverty. It is a spiritual poverty. It is an emotional poverty. It is a poverty of body, mind, soul, and spirit. The servant has come, Jesus has come to preach good news to those who are in need, to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. Verse 2, let me stop there. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the New King James and Old King James Version. Um, Your translation, if it's different, will probably read, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that the intent is the same, but the year of the Lord's favor, that is what I think Jesus came to sing about and to deliver, that, that, that this is the day of God's favor. This is the year of God's favor upon us. Verse 3, Jesus, last, ver, last phrase in verse 2, to comfort all who mourn to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he, God, may be glorified. As we break down this passage, we see that this opening line of the servant song in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach good news. And Jesus has come to deliver good news to you and to me and to all humanity. And the good news is what? That this is the year, the season of God's favor. How could that be? Facing all the difficulties in Isaiah 61, the children of Israel were under bondage. They were threatened by a a, a king named Sennacherib, and and they were under siege, probably especially during this time. Jerusalem was under siege, and Judah had been conquered. And yet, in the face of that dilemma, the servant had come to say, this is is the year of God's favor. When Jesus proclaimed this in Luke chapter 4, he was speaking to people who again were living under the bondage of Roman rule. He was speaking to people who were literally impoverished in life and in spirit. He was talking to people who were struggling in their day-to-day, trying to navigate through the difficulties that we can't even begin to imagine even with COVID. And he's speaking to us today. And he's saying, yes, I know that you're sitting there and living there behind a mask and isolated and lonely and and insecure and uncertain. 
But today is the day of God's favor. You see, when Jesus gets on the scene of human history, God's favor shows up. And the gift that God gives us today and every day, regardless of where we are in this scope of our life, whether young or old, whether uh, Jesus is about to return or not yet to return, we don't know any of those things. But here's what we know. Right now, through Jesus, because of Jesus, we are are living in the season of God's favor. You might not like COVID. I don't. I don't like it at all. You might not like the circumstances that has placed us where we are, distance and six feet apart and many online and uh, most online, many in the room. Oh, we don't like that. People saying in other states, thank goodness it wasn't in the commonwealth that you could only have eight people for Thanksgiving. Come on. We don't like that. Schools and, 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 and businesses shuttered and closed and, 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 and distanced and hybrid and all these things. We don't like it. But friends, even in the face of all of that, we are living in the season of God's favor because we have Jesus. Now, this is where our faith in Christ really becomes tested. We, we begin to understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. And if we lean into who Jesus is and what he has done and what he is doing and what he will do, when we cling to Jesus more and more, then we find ourselves under the blanket of God's favor every day. What is this thing, God's favor? What, is, what does it mean to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of the Lord's favor? What does that mean? What is favor? Think of it this way. In my house, uh, many in our family love to do puzzles. And this is one of the puzzles that uh, uh, our family put together. I did not participate because I thought I had an unfair advantage. Thank you for some of you laughing. Um, no, and, and you, you may like puzzles too. On our uh, table in our kitchen, there's a thousand piece puzzle. This is just a 300 piece puzzle. And they, they put the, the, the girls and, and uh, the sons-in-law, they put this together in no time. But you know how these puzzles work. You have so many pieces that are in the box and uh, on the cover of the box, it, it shows what the, the puzzle is supposed to be. It's, this is a picture of what it's supposed to look like when you get all the pieces together. Now, here's the problem. Our life, our life wants to look like this picture. There's a way we want our life to look, but the dilemma is we're just a bunch of disjointed pieces in a puzzle. Our life is disjointed, disconnected. There might even be one or two pieces missing from this box, which leads to all kinds of dilemma. Our life is broken. Our life is not whole. It's just pieces in a box. We see what we want it to look like. We have an idea of what our life should be, but it's not that. It's just a bunch of pieces, disconnected and out of sync. God's favor is Jesus coming and putting all the pieces of this box together, putting your life and mine together 
and making us whole. That's the promise of God's favor. God's favor is His acceptance. It's it's His pleasure in us. It's God delivering to us the thing that we couldn't deliver to ourselves. it's, It's God taking the distance that was created between us and Him by our sin and paving a way, building a bridge through the servant, through Jesus, so that we might get to God. Favor is God stretching out to us in love. Even though we can't get him, he gets to us. That's God's favor. And friends, without God's favor, we're dead. Without God's favor, we're empty. Without God's favor, we're incomplete. The reason so many people are living life every single day, struggling and searching and and fighting and striving and mad at each other and bitter in life is because they're just a bunch of pieces in a puzzle box that are disconnected and they can't make the pieces fit. They long to be whole, but they're just broken. And Jesus has come to take us in our brokenness and make us whole. When our life is broken, God's favor makes us whole. That's what Jesus has come to do. And Jesus has come on a rescue mission to you and me to make our lives whole. Now, to do that, he had to deal with the greatest enemy. What's the greatest enemy that we have? I said it earlier. Y'all remember? What is it? Sin. And Jesus had to come deal with our sin so that we might uh, immerse our life in God's favor. The only way God's favor can touch us is if sin has been removed. The the penalty and the shame and and the pain of sin, the guilt of our sin, it had to be dealt with. So Jesus came on a rescue mission, uh, and that rescue mission meant that he would go, uh, fully God yet fully man, go to a cross and die for sinners in our place to provide the the payment that our sin demanded and deserved. Jesus died for us on a cross, and he was raised from the dead to give us new life so that sin and death might be abolished. The power of sin and death destroyed when we by faith trust in Jesus, turn from our sin. And if you If you are a follower of Jesus and you've turned from your sin, you've trusted in Jesus, then all the promise of Isaiah 61 is for you. You're living in the year of God's favor. So what what does that look like in our everyday? Not only does Jesus deal with our sin, but but he deals with us in our everyday life. Now, just just walk with me for a moment in, in these verses. When our life is broken, Jesus makes us whole because he came with the good news that he would take our broken hearts and heal them, make them whole. Jesus will take the wounded heart that we have and and, and he will not just put a band-aid on it, but he'll give us a new heart. He'll not just give us a new heart, but he'll nourish our heart every day. He takes that which is broken shattered dreams, wounded hearts, and he heals them. Now, you might say, well, I've been a follower of Christ for 15, 20, 25, 35, 55 years, and I don't feel like the wounds of my heart are healed. I understand that. I really do. I get that. Can can I give you a couple of things that might help? First of all, if there is a wound in your heart that is festering still, 
and it's been uh, weeks or months or years or decades, and that wound in your heart is still festering, can I encourage you to go to one of our Christian counselors and help you understand that wound, wound a little bit more. I, 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 don't, say, I don't say that flippantly. I, I believe that with my whole heart, that, that we have counselors who can help us navigate the wounds that we have and understand the, the, the pathways to apply the work of Jesus and his love and his life to those wounds. So I encourage you, I encourage you to, to find a a, a godly counselor who can help you navigate through uh, the wounded heart. But can, can I also suggest this? And, and, and maybe first, and, and, and if you've got a wound that resurfaces every day, apply, apply the love of Christ on that wound every day. Understand what Jesus has done for you, what he's done for me, what he's done for us. He has, he's paid the price so that we might be made whole. He has come to heal our broken heart. He's come to, to nourish our soul with his presence, his grace, his love. This is what God's favor does. God's favor takes what's broken in our heart and he makes it whole. On top of that, Jesus has come to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prison to those who are bound. Now, what is the captivity and what is the prison? The captivity is to sin. And again, what is our greatest enemy? Sin. It's not COVID. It, it, it's, it, it's sin. Our greatest enemy is sin. So how does Jesus come and set captives free. If, if our captivity is to sin, to shackles that have chained us, to besetting sin or habits that are breaking us, how, how do we gain victory over those things? Again, Jesus has come to set us free through his death on the cross as payment for our sin, through his resurrection from the dead. He shattered the cell of our shame. He broke us out of the prison of our guilt, and he set us free to walk in liberty, freedom, from condemnation, freedom from domination of sin. Sin shall no longer have dominion over us who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because we're living under God's favor. We live under the favor of God, and that favor is a constant supply of strength for us. So if there is sin in your life, understand, as a follower of Christ, we need to apply the freedom that Jesus has purchased for us we don't have to live in the guilt and the shame under the stain, living in the cell of sorrow because of our sin. We've been set free by Jesus. Live in that victory. He's broken the cell. He set us free. And not only does he heal our broken heart and set us free from captivity, but he gives us life-changing relief from our grief. Life-changing relief from our grief. Last part of verse 2 and then verse 3, to comfort those who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. Can I tell you what that's a picture of? It's a picture of Jesus looking at you right now and seeing the hurt of your heart and the fear and anxiety and the struggle. It's seeing you as you are right now, even as his follower, and he's coming to you and he's saying, give me your hurt and I'll take it. Give me your pain, and I'll own it. Give me your fear, and I'll carry it. 
And Jesus is coming to us. He said, I'm going to console you. I'm going to comfort you. In fact, Jesus promises, and and this is a not-for-nothing promise. This is a promise that becomes alive in us who are followers of Christ. He says, I will give you the oil of joy instead of mourning. I'll take away your sackcloth, and I'll give you praise You'll no longer be walking around in the heaviness of spirit, but now you'll have a dance to your step. Not because our circumstances have changed, but because we're walking hand in hand with Jesus. Can I tell you, and this is just truth from Scripture to us today, in the midst of our suffering and our struggle, God doesn't give us relief, uh, doesn't always give us relief from the struggle, but he always gives us himself in the struggle. Can I tell you, that is God's favor. God's favor is not an escapism, but rather it is comfort in the midst of the dumpster fire. It's consolation, it's strength, it's power, it's compassion, it's hope, it's peace. This happens because of Jesus. When our life is fractured, God's favor makes us whole. And when God's favor makes us whole, we have a past that is forgiven, we have a present that is secure, and we have a future that is certain. Through Jesus, here's here's the thing. We're, we're all focused on what's going to happen in the next two weeks. That seems to be my kind of mo- mode of operation uh, since March the 8th. What's going to happen in the next two weeks? What's going to happen in the next two weeks? I can't see beyond two weeks. And in the uncertainty that that brings, especially somebody with my personality, the uncertainty that that brings, especially with, to someone who is the pastor of a church, given the responsibility to be the under-shepherd of you? Guys, I got to tell you, it, it is heavy on my heart every single day. But I don't have to live. I may live in the uncertainty but, uh, of the circumstances, but I can live in the absolute confidence of where God is taking us. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know God's favor because you now live with your past forgiven. You realize that? In Christ, your sin has been forgiven. What's the greatest enemy that we have? Sin. Our sin has been forgiven. Our past is forgiven. Our present is secure. Now, here's where I have to walk every day, and and I encourage you to do the same. I don't know what the next step is going to be. 
I can't plan it out. I can't map it out. I don't know what the next step is going to be. I don't know that for myself or for my family or for our church. I, I don't know what the next step is going to be. And, and all the uh, dumpster fire of, of our culture today, all the unrest and uncertainty and fears lived out loud in your life and in mine, all those things combine and create a sense of chaos in our lives. And, but even in the face of that chaos. I can walk every day in comfort and in peace and in courage and in confidence. Why? Why is my presence secure? Because I am walking hand in hand with Jesus and he is the good shepherd and he is always every single day taking me by the hand and leading me beside still waters and leading me to green pastures and he is every single day taking me by the hand and he is, uh, he is he's walking with me even through the deepest darkest valley of death and his rod and his staff protect me and even in the deepest darkest difficult time and uncertainty that this day may bring I'm hand in hand with Jesus and he has set me at his table and he's provided a feast to nourish my soul every single day and he is standing guard over me and even when the evil marauders of life come crashing toward me I don't have to fear because Jesus is standing between me and and danger. My present is secure because I'm hand in hand with Jesus. Now, friends, that's not how I live every day, but it's how I should live every day because I am living in the season of God's favor. And so are you. It's so easy for us to define our days by the bad news that we get. And if we were to do that in 2020, we would define 2020 as a really terrible year. But that's not how we define our every day. We define our every day by the fact that my sin is forgiven, my soul is nourished, and my future is absolutely certain because I know without a shadow of a doubt that my Jesus is taking me every single day into the very presence of God. Today, has your heart been made whole by God's favor? Today, have you been set free from your captivity in sin because of God's favor? Today, have you known the comfort and the nourishment of your soul given to you by Jesus because of God's favor. That is God's gift through Jesus to you and me. And it's not just some ideo ideological kind of uh, philosophy that we hold on to. Guys, this is every single day that we live. It's where we turn our focus to Jesus and cling to him and we find God's favor there. Here, now, if I belong to Jesus, I'm soaking in God's favor. That is the gift. And if you have received that gift, what do you do with it? We live in a day and time where everybody is ramped up emotionally, 
Everybody is struggling financially, physically, spiritually. All around us, people are living as broken-hearted people. But for those of us who have received God's favor, the re-gift is to share God's favor with the brokenhearted. You know, there are people that you go to work with. There are people that you go to school with. There are people across the cul-de-sac from you. There are people uh, in, in your family that are broken, and they're desperate for someone to put the pieces together so that they have the life as God intended. How do we get there? We share with them what God's favor has done for us, what Jesus has done for us. You remember the story of Whoville, right? All the Christmas presents are stolen. Everything's taken away. But do you remember the next scene? If you watch the movie, you do. All the citizens of Whoville gather out in the community lot. And I don't know if it was Cindy Lou Who or whoever it was, but somebody started to sing. And as they sang, they sang from a heart, from a soul that was wrapped in favor. The Grinch, high up on his perch, heard the singing of the Who's in Whoville. And his heart was transformed. You and I have received the gift of God's favor through Jesus. He's healed our broken heart. He's, he's uh, rescued us from our chains. He, he has, he, he, he has uh, given us relief in our grief. And I know it's so easy during this time to complain and groan and moan. I know, I know it's so easy for us to curse this year and curse people in this year. I know it's easy because I've been tempted to do it. I know it's easy because I've read some of the stuff that y'all been writing on Facebook. But guys, we're no longer held sway by all the forces of culture around us. We are now trees of righteousness. We are the planting of the Lord so that He might be glorified. We are something different. We are solid. Psalm 30, verse 7, God, when you showed your favor, you made me strong like a mountain. Why? So that He might be glorified and so that we might sing the song of God's favor for all to hear. So that others around us, those who are broken by life, might hear the song of God's rescuing love found in Christ. So that they might see something different about you and about me and say, what that guy's got, I want some of that. So hearts might be transformed. So that broken people might be made whole. Today, First Norfolk, we're living in the land of God's favor.
let's share that favor with others. Will you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Father, today you teach us again what Jesus has done for us, how that he has taken a broken-hearted man like me, held captive in sin, mourning the losses of life, and Jesus has reversed the curse of sin in my life, and He's made me whole and is making me whole. So, Father, right now I pray that you would help each of us here today. Walk in your favor. Live by your favor. That our perspective might be altered so that we walk hand in hand with you and so that the morning of loss might be turned to a joy of living. So that the ashes of death might be transformed into the life-giving love that you've shown us. So that the garb that we have in our funeral clothes would be removed and we might live in the garments of celebration and praise. May we, your people, covered under the umbrella of your favor, may we, your people, share your favor through Christ with others. So that broken hearts might be made whole. So that souls held captive in sin might be set free. So that men and women, boys and girls who are overwhelmed with sorrow might find comfort. Now, be glorified, O God, as we sing our praise to you. Be glorified as we live our lives for you. And may we walk and live and share the favor you've given us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.